Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hey everyone, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us for another podcast. Um, I was absent last episode and I heard that you guys had some pretty good, uh, exciting topics to talk about, Jordan. I thought they were exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, I always think they're exciting. But yeah, it was great to have Leslie around and be able to recap some of the stuff we see coming down the pike and also just talk about some of the events that we'd been at recently and kind of what folks were saying out on the circuit right. uh, about the economy and housing market. So, right. yeah. And about interest rates. Do I know interest rate played a big, very big role? Yeah, um, that was a big one. And uh, so that was the first one of the year. So possibly another two or so later this year yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised to see at least a couple of more i mean the economy and inflation in particular is you know supportive of more rate hikes so yeah i still hold to my story from last time (laughs) that we're going to see more rate hikes coming down the pike yeah okay so well even with the rate hike it seems like um you know the first couple months of the year we seem to be doing just okay I think uh, for the first couple months or so, we're up maybe about four, four, four uh, to five percent mm-hmm. in terms of sales, and price seems to have uh, gone up a little bit uh, by uh, six or seven percent uh, for the state as a whole. Definitely. So it seems like you know for the first couple months at least, you know, um, seems to be doing okay. Yeah, and I don't know if that's even though, you know rates have gone up or because rates are expected to continue to go up that maybe that's why we're having some kind of unseasonal you know activity as folks try and get in get ahead of those future rate increases true i mean of course if you look at the rates it still seem relative to let's say you know historical number it seems still very low i mean even though people expect you know rates to continue to go up uh, throughout the year um, it seems it's still below what four and a half, four point two, or something like that. So yeah, definitely. And I mean, hey, if you know that you're going to get into the market, right? It makes sense to get in while rates are still low. So true, you know, true. If I have a cha- choice between paying more and paying less, I'm gonna pay Obviously. less every time. Obviously. So of course, one of the questions is whether it's sustainable or not. Now we're going into February, going to March, and then of course we don't have March data yet. But going to March, April, that's the home buying season. That's a traditional home buying season. That's when it really starts ramping up. Yep. Right now, um, that's the you know um, uh, a huge questions of whether it's sustainable. And first, before we uh, kind of talk about you know whether it could be it's sustainable or not, let's take a look at some of the. Uh, you know, seasonal uh, transitions that takes place usually between a, a slow season and a uh, home buying season. Yeah, I guess why do we call it the spring buying right. season in the first place, right? What typically happens, I guess, and you crunch some numbers on that. I did, and then we'll talk about, you know, why there is such a transition, um, you know, in, in a few minutes. Some of the motivators. Right, yeah. right. And, um, well, first, let's take a look at sales. Of, co- of course, you know, when we talk about spring home buying season, typically we talk about sales and price. Sales-wide, um, our statewide number usually seasonally adjusts, so you don't usually see the seasonal pattern. Right. But if you take away those seasonal factors, take away those seasonal adjustments, you see that from February to March in the past, historically, uh, usually March jumped by about 34%, mm-hmm. pretty huge jump from February. 
Yeah, just um, over the course of one month, that is right. Big. And it's not just one year. You know, we when we look at you know year after year, it seems to have that jump in sales. I mean, it's not it's not surprise to many of the practitioner out there. Of right. Um, people buy more, uh, but it's not only that. Now, let me just throw you another statistic. Mm-hmm. It's not only just sales um, of you know in general, but also sales of different price range. Right. Um, just to give you some example, uh, for in in uh, 2016, for example, sh- sales below 500,000 makes up uh, 62, 63% percent of all sales. Uh, but when it moved into March, it actually started dropping below 60, and it stayed below 60 throughout the rest of the years. Um, I think at the high season, it actually uh, um, uh, June or so, it actually dropped around to around 55 or so. Huh. So, so why mean, do you think those lower end homes then drop off like that in terms of just a share of overall sales as we enter home buying season? I think that's part of the reason too. I mean, we have talked about this before. For example. Um, just look at look, just kind of look at uh, when people usually buy. Right. Um, for singles, for first-time buyers, most many singles are first-time buyers. For singles, they don't necessarily have to adjust their schedule of home buying. Um, very, uh, very um, according to the time of the year. Yeah. I mean, they're singles. They can move whenever whenever they move. A lot but, of flexibility. Definitely. But what about family? You know, when family needs to move. They need. They need to look at a lot of different things. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at where you're working next year, and I think for me, at least, most important was you know what's going on with my kids' school, and when are we gonna you know what school are they gonna be going to? When is their school year end, and and right. when does the next one begin? And so I think you know it's natural that if you're trying to basically time that properly so that you kind of you know minimize the disruption to your you know family just kind of social life um that you know that's why you see a lot of kind of those people with kids in particular um really starting to ramp up their search right around now right and then move around may june or during the summertime right yeah and and you you probably know i mean as a single as a first-time buyer you typically buy a home that uh, may be valued a little bit less than when you were to buy a home for a family of four, right? Yeah, exactly. I wish my mortgage looked like it, uh, <laughs> like my rent did before we had kids. Still, so yes, I'm very sympathetic to that. And tell me that um, if you want to move to a school system when you have kids, you want to move to a school system, you're willing to pay a little bit more for you know for your house, right? To move to a nicer district sometime. Yeah, if you're nice. I mean, my kids, we threw them into a so-so. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think school is a huge motivator, and that's you know one of the biggest reasons why um, you see it. I mean, like you said, both in terms of just individual owner-occupants who might be single or um, you know buying their first home or whatever the case may be. They're not that time-sensitive. They've uh-huh. got their job set up. Um, they're not buying for you know the house that they're going to live in for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Uh, and also investors, right? I think investors and people buying vacation properties and things like that, they don't care either, right? They're making longer-term plays, and so, um, you know, they don't care if they're getting in, and actually it's probably more beneficial for the investor to get in in a low buying season where you've got less competition and potentially, um, you know, more power, bargaining power in terms of not having as much competition for those units. That's very, very true. Of course, investors, a vacation home, um, you know, at low season, you're right. You know, there's no as much competition. But also, investors by nature they tend to buy at a very low price so that they can, you know, if there is a big margin, profit margin, 
then they can you know get a, a much bigger profit. So they tend to buy the low, uh, low price, pro- low price properties. Yep. Um, and you know there might not might not necessarily be an international buyers trend. Who knows? But you know international buyers typically they don't necessarily move during a seasonal pattern. They buy it whenever they want. Yeah, exactly. When the finances kind of support that. Right, and so you know when we take all when we take all those into account, first time buyers buying a low price home, investors buying low price homes during the off season, it's not a surprise that we're seeing some uh, improvement and um, higher price share, uh, higher price sale, higher sales and um, higher price segment. Right, you know during the uh, you know transitions to home buying season. Definitely, you just uh, essentially get more owner occupants as we get into the kind of core. Exactly. Period of time. Exactly. So, of course, we talked about the mix of sales. When we have a shift in the mix of sale towards the high end, we wouldn't be surprised that, you know, during the uh, home buying seasons, we see a little bit of increase in home prices. Yeah, definitely. I think it's both. You know, I think both you're getting more of a transition maybe to those more family-oriented buyers who are typically buying slightly bigger homes, more expensive homes. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, I think just because you get tend to get more and more uh, competition for those properties, that also pushes up prices, right? Because I think you said something that, you know, sales typically increase by a certain amount, but the typical increase in supply isn't as as responsive. We don't see the same type of uptick in listings, I guess, which would kind of also then support why why prices go up higher. Right. Now, I, sh- I said earlier, sales increased by 34%, yep. you know, in, uh, from February to March. And that's pretty standard across many, many years. Many, many years, yes. At the same time, you said, you know, you said it right, you know, supply... Yes, yeah, supply. If you look at, we look at different things. We look at active listings. We look at months of supply. Right. If you just look at active listings, yeah, it's true. You know, active sub, active listings also increase. Uh, but if you take a look at how much it actually increased on a from February to March, then it justifies. You know, the price increase a little bit. Well, let's take a look at those numbers. You know, if you take a look at active listings from February to March, there are some fluctuations, but. Active listing only went up, uh, only goes up by about 1.3% from February to March. Wow. Very, very small compared to... Yeah, to 34% growth in sales. So that really does eat into supply and I guess really backs up that story of more price competition essentially. Definitely. I mean, of course, this year is a... We continue to have the last few years very tight supply. I'm sure... You know, in some of the other years, we might have a little bit more increase in supply um, in some of the years from February to March. And I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, from March to April, it wouldn't increase. Right. But if you just look at the difference, you know, 34% versus 1.3%. And that's why, you know, when we look at the unsold inventory index, the months of supply, typically from... Um, February to March, it drops significantly. Yeah, so even though we are getting a boost in some of those active listings, we're just getting so much more growth in, in sales that it actually, we right. don't end up any better off. And that's probably going to be even more true, I guess, in this kind of cycle because inventories are, are starting already from such a, a low level. Right, and of course, we're seeing well, for the last uh, months or so, last couple months or so, we saw a four months of inventory. Yeah. But you know what? You know, in the next couple months, I bet it's going to be got drop below four, maybe even you know very close to three. Yeah. No, I mean that's why I was kind of sneakily. Uh, 
you know, suggesting that it's going to be hard to maintain that kind of four to five percent oh, growth yeah. that we got in the first couple of months of the year, uh, just simply because there isn't the stock out there for folks to buy. And I think that that really means that prices are going to continue to go up, right? And we, you know, right. expect prices exactly. to get back up above five hundred k in the next month or so when the new numbers come out, just Very because true. of that lack of of supply and and the boost and just you know, basic seasonal demand. On top of that, we've got, you know, folks trying to rush in before rates go up and an economy that although it's not booming is, you know, gradually improving. And so I think that's all kind of lends itself to more folks wanting to get out and and purchase homes and take advantage of the low rates and all of that. Um, But, you know, if if history is any judge and we only see the kind of one to one and a half percent boost in active listings, um, you know, that's going to be a tough, you know, row to hoe. Essentially, yeah, and of course, unless magically all of a sudden we have some new home supply, you know, coming on board, but uh, we don't see that coming. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that issue many, many times, and a lot of those issues are structural and you know don't seem to be resolving themselves over the short run. Right, exactly. So you right, you know, as far as price, because of the tight supply is concerned, you know, seasonal trend also suggests from February to to March we definitely will see some increase in prices. You're right. Oh, it's going to be over five hundred thousand, even though we enjoyed a little bit of a under four five hundred for the last couple months. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and we predicted in our forecast before that the whole year it's going to go up by about uh, roughly about six percent or so. I can't remember the exact number. Yeah. But it looks like it's uh, going. You know, according to our trend, uh, maybe even higher. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what happens with CPI growth and that kind of stuff and what we see happen on the wage front. But I think, um, you know, mid-single digits seems very likely at this point in time. Very likely, very likely. So, you know, if you take a look at, if we look at, you know, the seasonal trend, the seasonal transitions, I mean, it looks, you know, like things are actually, you know, trending up. Sales-wise, price-wise, even supply a little bit, but then uh, uh, for months of supply, it's going to be dropping. Um, So it's safe to say we're going to have that... uh, very competitive environment continuing uh, for the summer season. Um, so long run wise, when we take a look at the year over year basis, it's still somewhat positive. It's still, the issue is still supply. Yeah, yeah, supply is still the the big sticking point. And, you know, I think that that's what uh, is gonna, you know, essentially hold back the market because not just, you know, are there not enough homes out there for folks to be able to buy, um, you know, it lends itself to worse affordability conditions, right? When you've got 10 people lined up to buy, um, you know, a home, then inevitably, prices go you know higher and and we've already got a pretty bad affordability crisis here in the state absolutely absolutely um, but of course um, with the tight market conditions and um, you know people are still very interested in California even though we have very very high price um, and and it's actually supported by not something that we produce but uh, something supported by uh, yeah. Realtor.com. right Realtor did a, a survey uh, recently not survey but looked at their clicks uh-huh. recently on how many people click on their websites. And these are folks like shopping for homes, essentially. Right, yeah. right. So they may not necessarily be actually buying, you know, right at this moment or close transactions right at this moment, but people are searching. They're shopping, yeah. They're shopping. Do you know, do you think, what? Well, where do you think people are searching? Let's say, you know, off the tw- top 20 hottest market. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm biased, obviously. Love <laughs> California, but I know that, uh, you know, we still tend to have some of the, the hottest markets in the nation just judging by... 
by price growth and things like that and just desirability. And I guess that's kind of what you found on the Realtor.com numbers too, right? Right. Well, I'll just give you some background statistics. They published like a 20 hottest market in, okay. last, in March. And how many do you think uh, is uh, in California? Um, five, maybe? Bay well, Area? Well, you're, you're, you're pretty conservative. <laughs> for the last, for the top 20, we have about uh, 10, I think. Wow. 10 of them. And you're right about, um, well, even just for the top five, you know, we actually had four of them. Oh, wow. Four of them. I think you talk about Vallejo before, uh, Solano. Yeah. Solano County, you mentioned before about how people move from, let's say, the Bay Area, the core Bay Area to more uh, inexpensive areas. Yeah, definitely. Vallejo fits the bill. Vallejo is probably right around what three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred thousand. Still very commutable price. to the the core kind of Bay Area job centers, right? And that's the number one of the top uh, twenty hottest. Amazing. And the second one, I was a little surprised. Um, maybe I shouldn't be. Um, maybe not for the people who live in Bay Area. Yeah. San Francisco was the number two. Wow. Um, even though it's very very expensive. Um, it's still you know, number two people. There people want to live in the Bay, uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, and I think that really shows you how important a, a thriving job market is, right? To to housing demand. Right. I mean, we, even though we've talked about this, it uh, slow down a little bit in terms of job growth, but it's still one of the uh, best job growth market in um, the, the California. Yeah, definitely, uh, and in the nation for that matter. So, no, it's interesting when you look at some of those markets, though. I mean, they're not all just kind of peripheral uh -huh. um, Bay Area. You know, I was surprised to see a handful of Central Valley right. um, locations on there as well. Sacramento, um, you know, if you look at some of the markets up in the North Bay Area, like Sonoma, um, mm -hmm. you know, even like, like Ventura County, Oxnard, I think right. you're um, getting folks who are getting priced out of the LA market or maybe want more space than you can get in LA and end up going up there for better quality of life but it's you know it's interesting that it's not just your kind of San Francisco's that it really was a kind of broad swath of areas I mean even Stockton which you know was kind of one of the hardest hit economies you know that actually had to declare bankruptcy and all of that stuff as True. a municipality um, you know has bounced back and is now I guess you know the the 13th of 20 fastest right. growing right. Uh, markets for shopping for homes and so I think you know those also kind of back up the the importance of just affordability right folks want to become homeowners we see that pretty consistently in all the research that we do and survey folks you know they want the American dream that means owning their own home um, that's you know becoming increasingly hard to make happen along the coast and so you know you see places like Stockton like Vallejo you know like Sonoma like Santa Rosa uh, Santa Rosa exactly out in you know Oxnard and Ventura areas kind of um, gaining a lot of steam I think as a result of that yeah and we I mean we have you know CR has an, uh, an office in Sacramento and we talk to our Sacramento folks you and I both talk to our government affairs people up in Sacramento they, we know that they enjoy you know the uh, the affordability, affordability the relative affordability <laughs> I'd say yes. Right. So you know, even though yes, people might have to commute a little bit, you know, to stop from you know, let's say to Stockton to Sacramento a little further away, 
maybe even uh, Santa Rosa, which is in Sonoma. Right. Uh, but they still enjoy, you know, the 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 area, the vibrant of the uh, you know Bay Area. Um, yeah, and they get to become homeowners. So I yeah. think you know that's the key. Right. Exactly. And of course, um, these are areas of the top ten. I'm sure top twenty. I'm sure we're going into the home buying season, there will be some fluctuation. But knowing that you know top ten of the tw- uh, the ten of the California cities are in the top ten, I mean that's pretty that's pretty impressive uh, to me. Um, and you notice also that you know I, when I look at this list, I don't see um, L.A. in there. Yeah, it's a yes. little surprise. So I did a little bit more research, okay. try to you know figure out well, how come you know L.A. Orange County is not there. Okay, Oxnard is there, part of Southern California. Sure, but uh, I I. Did some research and actually saw another uh, report done by um, Realtor.com. So it makes me feel a little bit better. That is, um, they did a report on millennial magnets, the top ten cities where young people uh. want to be. Now, as far as the top ten cities that people want to be, um, we do have some um, cities in California uh, and uh, LA. You know, I had to dig something up. Yeah, exactly. We couldn't leave our own little uh, fair city hanging, I guess. And L.A. actually is uh, number six of the top ten. Oh, see, um, so we're so popular for, for the young folks, I guess. Well, you know, we do have a big city. Hollywood is here. You know, we have a lot of entertainment businesses. And the Silicon Beach, yep. right? Yeah, um, definitely. We do have some. Of course, Orange County, too. Um, but you know Silicon Beach and all that area. Even though LA, uh, yeah, it is a little bit more expensive compared to some other areas. Uh, but still, right. it's a big city. So people want to move here. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I would be remiss also if I didn't point out that uh, you know the top two are in California, uh, ahead of Dallas, Texas, uh-huh. and uh, I think a couple other areas. Midland was in Texas as well, and I think uh, Austin ranks up there. But uh, you know, for all of Texas's business friendliness and and you know economic growth, True. California actually still uh, has some of the more desirable uh, areas that people still want to work and live. So, oh, definitely. I mean, of course, LA, the top ten cities. LA is one of the top ten, but of course, um, you still find some big areas like San Francisco, San Jose. There, I mean, yes, the affordability definitely is an issue, but you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at the affordability question, right, it's not unaffordable because no one wants to live there, right? It's unaffordable because lots of folks want to work and live there, uh, and there just isn't enough housing, and that tends to push up the price of what housing they do have. Um, so, you know, in some ways, their their biggest weakness is actually a reflection of one of their biggest strengths, I guess. Yes, and there are a lot of talented people, you know, make it out there, you know, uh, was able to buy, and that's why we have million dollar homes in San Francisco and, and, and San Jose. Yep. Um, so, I mean, a little bit of a good news, uh, a little bit of encouraging news going into the home buying season. Um, none of us know exactly what's going to happen, of course, especially with uh, what's going on in the Federal Reserve, your interest rates with the government. It's hard to say, but I think, you know, with uh, with people interested in the city and living in California, especially uh, many of the millennial are interested in California. Right. Um, I think that's a, a bit of an encouraging news. We just have to make sure we kind of monitor it, and you know, for practitioners, for realtors, um, share the best information that they could with. Um, yeah, both clients. With our clients, exactly. No, I mean, what I always say is we, uh, you know, go through a lot of these challenges on supply and affordability and home ownership um, just to be, you know, very 
real and candid about what some of those challenges are, but uh, none of those things mean that, you know, our members can't go out there and have great years, even despite all of those challenges. I mean, folks want to buy, they're shopping for homes, they want to get ahead of the rates, you know, the the ability to qualify for mortgages is getting slightly easier, um, you know, and so despite all of those kind of headwinds and structural challenges that we just have, you know, as an economy, um, you know, there's still a lot of opportunities. We're still going to have more than 400,000 transactions. Um, and so our members can still have a really great year, uh, even though, you know, some of those kind of bigger, broader macro challenges are out there. So, um, you know, this is all from a, a standpoint of full disclosure, uh-huh. so they understand some of the challenges and issues, uh, but not to say that, that there's any uh, reason why you can't have have an excellent year in 2017 definitely and um, just want to wrap it up you know we're almost uh, done here but want to wrap it up we do uh, CR we do post a lot of stuff a lot of um, tools on our websites to help our uh, members and I believe some of the newer newest tours that we currently post on our website is on um, city level some of the city level data yeah definitely I mean that's one of the biggest things the feedback that we get from members when we go out and about and do outreach events and talk to the actual members um, who are working is you know county level stuff is great but really want to be able to slice and dice both across price segments and you know down more granularly uh, in terms of geography going down to your own city and seeing how things are playing out there your own zip code and so Uh Uh, we've got some really fun new tools that I'm excited about sharing, and I think you guys can um, get a lot of use out of those. So please do visit our, our new website, the new CAR.org. And if you go to the market data section of the website, the Industry 360 section of the new website, um, there will be a fresh new link there called Interactive Data. Uh, that you can actually market stats, right? Interactive Market Stats, I think that's what it's called. And so if you click there, you'll have a lot of different options for dashboards that you can go into um, and actually drill fun. down by price or by geography uh, and get a lot of fun stats that, that we've produced for a long time, but specific great. to your very localized marketplace. That's great. Great new tools. And uh, listen, this is just the beginning. We're going to be putting out more stuff. And hopefully, uh, you know, throughout the year, we'll give you guys a little bit more tools we used, uh, you know, for 2017. Yeah, and if you have comments on any of these new things or things you want to see, we're very receptive to your feedback and uh, try to address it. So let us know what you think. Great. Thank you for tuning in again. Until next time. See you later. Bye-bye.